This morning, we are continuing our series uh, through the book of Acts, where we are spending time thinking about the party of God. And this morning's story comes to you from Acts 14. And um, if you know anything about the story of the early church, I know some of you do, some of you maybe not so much, um, the, the story of the gospel centers certainly in its beginning in Israel. If you know the story of Christ, Christ um, actually... His longest journey that we are aware of in terms of his life was actually down to Egypt when he was a child, right? Down to Egypt is where he went with Mary and Joseph in order to be saved from Herod and um, his persecution uh, or his seeking to cause the death of Christ. Um, But during his time of ministry, he really didn't travel much more than, say, 100 miles away from the province of Galilee. He went north to Caesarea Philippi. He went a little bit further over um, towards Jerusalem, of course, where ultimately he was crucified. But really, his ministry is centered in one spot in Israel. Well, the gospel has to go out. If we know the story of Matthew 28, verse 19, the commission of Jesus Christ is to take the gospel and um, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's got to happen. The story from Acts 14 is Paul and Barnabas really starting that work starting from a place in Antioch, called Antioch in Syria and then moving out towards Turkey and Asia Minor. Um, that sort of, uh, some of those spots and really beginning to share the gospel so that the party that we've been talking about is getting bigger. People know and understand the gospel and then in new places, new cultures, new cities, new countries. And um, these people are seeking to be faithful to the work of God. And this is where it begins. Acts chapter 14 and just before that when it begins, uh, when it starts, when the first missionary, and this is the first one of which there are more later on, but um, this is the first missionary journey. And as we understand more about what this journey is about and what it does to the church, let's pray for God's blessing on our time. Thank you, Father, for equipping us with not only your word that helps us understand more fully what our job is as followers of Jesus Christ, But then it also gives us a story of what it looks like when we are faithful. When other people join the party. When people who are different than us. When people who have different stories from different places join your kingdom. Join the body of Christ. We see beauty. And we see life in new ways. And we pray, Lord, that as we hear this story of Paul and Barnabas and their work, Lord, it compels us and challenges us to live in that, to that commission that you've given to us, to go out, share the gospel, to bring people to your presence, to cleanse them with the water of baptism, to be a part of your work of transformation, Lord, that that compulsion and that energy, that desire in our hearts is real and powerful and moves us into action out of love for you and love for others. Lord, we pray that you move through this message this morning in a way which glorifies you, challenges us, and equips us to go and live into that work. We pray these things in Christ. Amen. So, um, last Sunday afternoon, um, a group from this church got back. If you went to Montana last week with Mario and the group, can you just quick stand? I don't think there's many people here this morning. There's these three. I think there was, what, a group of about 16? 12, 12 of you. Thanks, guys. Um, 
these three folks, as well as obviously 13 others, went to Montana for a week and they um, joined a group called Serve. Serve is uh, um, uh, run by an organization called Youth Unlimited. They uh, ask churches to host a group of students for a week in a place, and those students can come all from all over North America. Where were the churches from with you guys? There was one from, or where were they? Okay, so all the Midwest folks then. You were with all the, Mid- you guys were the strange Californians. You still are, by the way. That's, that's good. It's good. So they, they went for a week and they joined with these churches. Uh, there was over 100 kids and leaders um, there for the week. And I know some of you have been a part of serve projects or service projects in the past, very similar to that. And over the course of the week, they did a bunch of different work. Uh, they worked for a garden, a community garden, where um, those, those, um, that food is then shared with people who need food. And it's, it's Montana, so there's room, and they have this big garden where kids can go and work and help raise this food over the course of the summer. They had some kids who went to um, nursing homes, and uh, a whole bunch of folks wanted to go out, and they walked through the neighborhood. They have, actually, there's a picture of a parade of wheelchairs moving down the street with folks who are honestly just getting cared for by a group of high school students. My daughter was a part of some different work projects. There were free car washes in order to love the community. All these different things. And what I was struck by as Cameron came, come, came home and told her story, and then I talked with Mario a little bit about the trip as well, is that these little things, building a garden, the you know a parade of wheelchairs around the neighborhood, Washing someone's car. They seem so small sometimes in terms of what kingdom work is. But the reality of it is, is that we don't know what the impact of those little things are. And friends, for us to hear this morning from this passage and then from the rest of scripture as well, that even living into these little things which these high school kids had the opportunity to be a part of and they did faithfully, they did with joy. They, I know you guys had fun, right? You had a good time. Brett, even you, you had a good time. Thumbs up. That in that, the gospel of Christ got bigger. In that faithfulness of these kids simply doing these little things. And sometimes we wonder, well, does that really make a difference? But who do we serve, right? We serve a crucified Christ who made the mountains, who set creation in place, and who can take a group of kids working in a garden and grow his kingdom, who can take a group of kids pushing wheelchairs down the street, watching cars, doing basic home repair, and he can grow his kingdom. And that story here in Acts 14 shows us that that has impact when we are willing to be faithful and go where it is that he calls us to go and do what what it is that he calls us to do. Paul and Barnabas did it, and we're going to see what happens. Verse 21. Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. 
So this story starts out with these, uh, these two disciples, Paul and Barnabas, in a part of the world that um, many of us are not familiar with. And I apologize. I really intended to put a graphic up there and I neglected to do that this morning. But I'm, I'm just going to sort of draw the picture for you, all right? This is the Mediterranean Ocean. Okay? You got me? Mediterranean Ocean. Crete's here. Italy's over here. Israel's right here. This is a spot where Jesus started his ministry. And in the northern part of that is a, in Syria is a place called Antioch. All right? Mediterranean Ocean. Now, Paul and Barnabas, it was time for them to leave. So what did they do? They went first to Crete. Crete is an island in the middle of the Mediterranean. And they were there for a while. And then they went north. And they ended up going into this area up here. This is where modern day Turkey and Greece are. And they started um, on the coast and then they, <coughs> excuse me, moved inland. And inland, these are not coastal towns, inland is where we get to these places called Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and they also are in Derby. these four towns. So that's where this is happening. And as we hear them doing what it is that they're doing, we, we hear, at least in this passage, that things are going good. They're able to share the gospel. They're able to go into these places, these cities, and tell people about who Jesus is. But if you go back some verses, look back in your Bibles quickly, you see different things happened along the way. In fact, just before that, what did they do? In verse 19, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over and they stoned Paul, dragged him outside in the city thinking he was dead. That doesn't sound to me like it's going very well. And the truth is that the more you read back, the more stories you're going to hear about them being persecuted, them getting in fights. Sometimes they were successful. In fact, there's a group who wants to worship Paul and Barnabas as a god. But you also see them having significant struggle. So much so that you see them living out what it is that they said in verse 22. What do they say? They say, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now friends, if I stand here and tell you that and you look at my life, you might wonder if that's real. My life has actually been pretty good. I have a lot of blessing. I have three great kids. I am wonderful wife. I have a, a nice home. I have, car, I have so many good things. For Paul and Barnabas, though, when they say, you must go through many hardships, Paul is saying this while he still has the bruises on his face and his body from the stones that have hit him. So when you know somebody who's actually lived into what they're saying, when you know somebody who walks the talk, do you listen differently? Of course you do, right? They're living into that. There's hardships. There's hardships and they're going to be for all of you. And we know them. It's a powerful message when it's something that you're willing to live into because it makes a difference. It challenges these folks then to faith. Now, one thing I haven't told you about these four churches. They're in a province called Galatia. Does that sound familiar? There's actually a book of the Bible written to what? Galatians. Do you know anything about the book of the Bible about Galatians? 
What is that book about? It is about a group of people getting disciplined. Why? Because they forgot faith. Paul and Barnabas are sharing this truth with people that ultimately are going to struggle with it deeply. And they're trying to embody it in order to strengthen them. If you read the book of Galatians, you see so much of these people from Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby forgetting what it is that they have been taught. That's why Paul and Barnabas are so willing to live it out. Because they know it's important for them to see. They need to be strengthened. Let's continue. Verse 23 and 24. Read these words. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. With prayer and fasting, committing, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. Good thing that I know my phonics. That's good. Now, this is so interesting to me. Um, You see that Paul and Barnabas appoint elders, right? And we know elsewhere in Scripture that Paul Paul, um, challenges elders to be a certain type of person, live at a certain level of faithfulness. But remember that these are new believers. We don't know how long the missionary journey took. Okay, if Paul started out in Antioch, went across to Cyprus, was in Cyprus for a while, then went north and spent time over here, all of these places, I mean, these four towns that we're talking about are 100 miles apart. He did none of this, they did none of this quickly. So this missionary journey was probably maybe two, at least, at least two, if not three years long. So these Christians would have heard the gospel the first time through when Paul came in. But then when they returned, then he made them elders. We don't know what time frame that is. But imagine if you had been a believer for only three, four months. And now Paul comes to you and says, hey, I really feel God calling you to be an elder. How many of you feel like you would be overwhelmed by that? I know I would. I mean, there are certain things. For me, that would be like, um, you know, me having gone to seminary for three months. And then someone saying, okay, you can go out and lead a church now. I wouldn't feel equipped. I wouldn't feel capable. And yet, Paul and Barnabas still do that for these believers. Why? Because the church needs people to lead. And God is capable of equipping all of you to do that. And I want you to hear me here. Because I know so often one of the statements that we get into our own heads about something that we've been asked to be a part of or do for the kingdom of God, we say, we're not capable. We're not equipped. We can't do that. I'm here to tell you that you believe, I believe in a, in a Savior who is capable of what things? All things. I am capable of all things through Christ who gives me strength. So please, 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 don't ever say, I'm not equipped to do that when it comes to something in the kingdom. Don't ever say that. 
Because I think when we say that, we are stumbling over our lack of faith in what God is capable in us. Even if you are a new believer. Even if you are a youngster in the faith. Even if you are somebody who didn't go to seminary like I did. Or maybe you haven't studied scripture as much as you think you should. Or maybe you haven't grown that much as much as you think you should in order to go out and preach the gospel and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, bring them into the community of faith. Maybe you don't think you're capable of doing that. But here Paul and Barnabas are reminding us that not only are these folks capable of doing that, they're capable of leading the church. These these are the central leaders now of the church. Friends, that same God who equipped them equips us. And don't, don't, don't sell not only yourself short, but more importantly, don't sell the Holy Spirit short of what God is capable of doing through you. Let me tell you a story. Kristen and I have a couple, um, there's a couple that we've been friends with for probably about 25 years. Kristen taught, I think, two out of three of their children. I had many of their kids in youth group. And the wife of the couple, wonderful, wonderful people, they are still dear friends to this day. But the wife of the couple, um, she graduated high school. She did not go to college. Um, Her her learning, her school learning is fairly basic. Her understanding of a lot of, you know, what we would sort of consider complex theological things is not very big. She didn't do a lot of classes um, for, she went to a Christian high school, um, took basic Bible classes, but never really went beyond that. She's, she's a wonderful, caring, loving woman. But in terms of her knowledge and understanding of the things of faith, I would say it's, it's not that deep. About four or five years ago, um, and this often happens for us, right, when we are on social media, and we can see our friends at a distance, and you know when um, social media posts sort of change for people. Specifically, when we think about a couple, um, you can sometimes sense that there's tension or there's something going on in the family or in the marriage. We started to sense that about this couple. We didn't see posts with the two of them in pictures anymore. We didn't see um, very much stuff about him in her posts and about her in his posts. In fact, we saw very little. And we reached out to them, but there was really not a lot of conversation. What we found out later on is that she, um, she was living into alcoholism very deeply. He had dealt with a drug abuse issue before, and um, he, he was working through some of that. The two of them were working through addictions. And their marriage was at risk. She ended up going to rehab. And she was in rehab, inpatient rehab, for a year and a half. This was a long one. It took a long time. About four months ago, her social media posts changed again. They recommitted their lives to Christ. They recommitted their marriage to Christ. And that's beautiful and that's great. But now this woman felt the call of God to lead a ministry 
for women to gather who are going through pain, hardship, challenge, brokenness, and gather together to pray, have healing prayer, conversations about what it means to walk with Jesus, to be encouragement and support for each other. And she's gathered a leadership team of six, seven, eight other women who have gone through similar sorts of challenges and different stories of of knowing Christ in some very deep and powerful ways and now wanting to share that with a whole group of women. And they had their first gathering last week. 75 women showed up for prayer, support, and encouragement. Now remember who I'm talking about here is a woman who, in terms of her faith and her knowledge of deeper things of faith, complex theological thinking just isn't there. But she wants to share the love of Christ. And she is compelled to do that with what God has given her, her story of brokenness and pain and God's redemption and transformation. And now, All these women are coming together in order to be encouraged, supported, and loved. And it's because this woman is leading. What is God capable of using you for? How has he equipped you to go out and share the story of Christ's and the Spirit's presence in your life in a way that can be transformation and the gospel to others. And there's not a single person sitting in this room right now who can say, that's not me. Because all of you have gifts and abilities and talents and you have a story that is powerful and compelling about what Christ has done in your life. And it's a story worth sharing with someone Find someone. Find some place, some ministry, some capacity, some context. Because if your story of God's power and transformation is not told, someone's missing it. And God doesn't get the glory if someone's missing it. There is no one in this room who can tell me that that's not me because God has equipped all of us with his commission through Jesus Christ. Again, Matthew 28, 19. I'm going to keep coming back to that, friends. Because Paul and Barnabas are modeling it. And we are called then to live into it in obedience to Christ's call. Verse 26 says this. From Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. Now remember, there's a town called Antioch over here where they had visited, but this Antioch is over here. This is the one in Syria. This is where the journey had started several years ago. This is the place where Paul and Barnabas had been commissioned by the people and had been told, please go be a part of fulfilling God's call to go out and make disciples, to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And now Paul and Barnabas finally return. And here's the beautiful part. They can then share the stories. How beautiful are those stories when we hear them? I'm going to challenge you, and maybe you don't want to overwhelm these three who went to Montana this past week. Maybe you don't want to do that this morning, but maybe you can chase down Mario, or you can chase down my daughter Cameron when she gets home, or others who went on the trip. And I want you to hear their stories, because they can tell you them. 
Tell you how in Montana, Christ was glorified. God showed up. There was power there. And for us to hear those stories, for you to hear those stories, is compelling and inspiring and encouraging. And we need to hear those stories. And if you have those stories of places where Christ has used you to share the gospel with your life and there has been change and transformation, maybe in you, maybe in another, maybe someone has come to faith for the first time, please, let's share the story. Send me an email. I'll find a way to get the story out. Give me a phone call. I would love to make a Facebook or a social media post that shares the story of what God has used you and your obedience to go out and share the gospel. I want to share that story in a way that then inspires us as a community to go and find more of those stories. That's part of why Paul and Barnabas come home so that they can gather together with the other believers and tell them this is what happens when you live into the commission of the Holy Spirit to go out and preach the gospel. This is the beauty of the kingdom of God growing. This is the beauty of the party getting bigger. And part of it too is that these folks had faith when they sent Paul and Barnabas out to do the mission. Now, we think of Paul and Barnabas, oh, okay, you're going to be gone on a mission for a little while. We think of some of the stories of missionaries that we know. Um, you know, I, I, we can think of, of um, the banks in Ireland. Now, they've had some challenges with some um, visa stuff and some other things like that, but we've never had fear that they were going to get killed. We've never been afraid that they were going to be stoned and thrown out of the city. I mean, we worry maybe when they get on an airplane. But we don't worry so much about the challenges that they face. Paul and Barnabas. How many times was Paul shipwrecked later on? Three times. Paul got stoned a whole bunch of times. He got beat up. He was imprisoned. He was flogged. And for Paul and Barnabas to come home and even show up at the door, all these people were saying, we were praying for you and believed and hoped that God would bless your journey and that you are home blesses our faith and encourages us to believe more. This was a story that could be told then of the faith of the community growing and they could trust that God could do more. It's a big deal that these guys get home and their faith is answered. Let's finish the passage, verse 27, 28. On arriving there, they gathered the church together, reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they had stayed there, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now, okay, remember Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Attilia, Perga, all these different places. These, this, this is a different culture. Okay, Over here in Israel, you have Jews and you have Romans and you have Greeks mixing together and it's its own culture. It's like, it's like San Bernardino, okay? San, or the, the San Bernardino County. Okay, That's its own culture. Well, I know, another, um, I know another county pretty well in California, Tulare County. Okay, Tulare County is where Visalia is. It's about four hours north of here. And it, um, it's a different place than here is. It's a different culture than here is. Marjorie, yeah, just a touch. Marjorie spent a lot of time there. 
It's a very different place. And for Paul and Barnabas, the places where they were, they, it wasn't the difference between San Bernardino County and Tulare County. It was the difference between San Bernardino County and New Zealand. That's how different the culture would be. You would have different languages. You would have different gods. You would have different tribes and communities. You would have different rulers. You would have different influences. And now the church can come together and hear the stories of these people who were not not a part of the kingdom of God, now becoming part of the kingdom of God, and think about how they would then be able to celebrate these people that they'd never met, And would never meet this side of heaven. That these people now were believers in Jesus Christ. And they could do that. And be excited about it. And friends for us to be in that same place. And I mean that. Because it's one of those challenges that we often have in western culture. Right? It becomes a competition. We're part of the Christian reformed denomination. We want to see the Christian reformed denomination grow. But we also need to be rejoicing if the Baptists grow. I need to be rejoicing if Pathway down the street has to have a building campaign because more people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I have to have that same sort of rejoicing when Citizens Church has to continue to build new facilities or build new things or start new services because of what God is doing. Sandals East Valley and that it's growing and that now even there's um, a church from Ukaipa that's planning another church in Redlands here that's going to grow. And I can rejoice in that because they're influencing and proclaiming the gospel to people that I don't know, that I don't meet, and I want the kingdom of God to be bigger. And we should be doing that on on an even broader level. And seeing that not just for our country, but for our world. That we rejoice that the African church is growing by leaps and bounds. The Asian church, in fact, the Asian and African churches far outgrow North American churches. We are actually getting smaller in terms of a continent in our influence and impact on the larger church. Do you know that there are countries in Africa, churches in Africa, that are sending missionaries to the United States? Did you know this? There There are churches in China sending missionaries to the United States. And from Korea, they're sending missionaries to the United States because the United States is such a fertile mission field for people who feel the compulsion and the longing of God to share the gospel, and they're willing to do it. Friends, we are in a place where there is fertility for the gospel. Sometimes the challenge is, is our commission real? Is our commission real? Do we feel it? Does it move us? Does it challenge us? Look back at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. These are some of the last words of Jesus to his disciples. This is the important stuff. He's equipping them and challenging them to do it. So I want to give you a picture, and this picture is simply this. Look beside you at the person who's beside you. All right, look at them. Now, I want you to think about who could be here instead of them. And I'm not talking like trading them out for Brad Pitt. I'm not talking about that, okay? But I'm, I'm asking the question, who could sit beside you? Who you are bringing to the community of faith and sharing the gospel with? And maybe it's here at church 
on a Sunday morning when we worship and we proclaim the gospel. Maybe it's at your kitchen table. Maybe it's at Panera down the street. Maybe it's in your school. Maybe it's in your workplace break room. But somewhere, friends, if we truly listen to the commission of Jesus Christ to do what Paul and Barnabas were called to do and were faithful to do it, somewhere, somehow, someplace, we need to be sitting beside someone. Someone. Speaking the words of Christ. Sharing the story of his presence in our lives. Being moved by his transformation of our own hearts with his love and his grace and his power. Enough so that we are willing to then share that truth with others. I want you to ask this question of yourself. When's the last time you shared the gospel? When's the last time? Has it been years? Maybe months. Hopefully it's less than that. I think the challenge oftentimes is, for some of us, it's decades. Or possibly even never. Friends, the call of God is simply to this. I have such an incredible party for you to be a part of. And when you are faithful to go do what Paul and Barnabas did and go out and share it, yes, sometimes it will be hard. You might not get stoned with actual stones. You might get comments. You might get thoughts. You might get people rejecting you. Yes, all of that can happen. But remember, the promise of hardships is there. But so is the promise of God's presence and faithfulness and his power to transform other lives through you. And then... When he does, you come here and you share the story of what God is doing, of this person beside you that God is transforming and you get to be a part of it, not because of who you are, but because of who Christ is. And the party gets bigger. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you compel us Equip us through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to be faithful to the call of God as Paul and Barnabas were. That, Lord, we might live into that calling and embody it the way that Paul and Barnabas did. That we don't try to hide from the challenge, but instead, Lord, we embrace it. That we don't shy away from the hard stuff. That we're, we don't think that we're not enough. That we're not capable enough. But we understand that we can do all things through Christ who has given us strength. Not only are we capable of doing those things, but you have equipped us with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is with us, we have no idea what might happen next. Lord, I pray that you move to our minds and our hearts, that we look beside us in the seat and we wonder and we pray and we discern, Lord, who is it that you're calling us to sit beside, to live beside, to be in life together with in such a way that we might then truly share the hope and the truth and the love, transformation of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray these things all in Christ's name. Amen.